Um, it's an opportunity, thanks, um, for us to come together and reflect on um, Jesus' journey to the cross, Jesus' journey um, on the way to um, the, the tomb and to the, um, his death and burial and resurrection. And um, this is Dylan shared a little bit tonight, just um, the significance and the meaning um, that we find in um, in that journey, and that that the God of this universe would come down and would dwell among us, and um, and that He would uh, live as um, a man in our midst, and that He would um, not only take on flesh, but He would take on um, our pain and our suffering and ultimately our sin, and so. Um, I really think that um, this time has um, a lot of meaning for us um, as we um, journey with God and as we seek to uh, know Him more. And um, this year we felt like it was uh, significant to think about um, in light of um, Christ coming into our mess. Um, Think about how we ourselves um, engage in that same process. And when I say um, how we engage in that process, what I mean by that is how we ourselves are acknowledging not just our own mess, but the, the brokenness in the world around us. How we ourselves are not shying away from that brokenness, but actually uh, letting God open our eyes and open our hearts to um, the realities of just how broken our world is, and specifically in that, as it relates to the brokenness that is injustice in our world. And so, um, we started last week by talking about um, justice and the heart of God, and uh, really defining from Scripture um, what it is that God feels about um, injustice and his pursuit of it and his um, expectation for his people as it relates to the same matters. Um, tonight we are going to be talking about specifically um, lament and the role that lament plays in the pursuit of justice and connecting to God's heart in um, injustice, as well as connecting to um, humanity and injustice. And um, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. I'm excited. I, I like different. Um, but uh, uh, it's just kind of a tag team message. So I'm, I'm going to share for a few minutes and then I'm going to get out of the way and invite Mr. Dorsey up tonight to, um, to share with us and I've just been really blessed by some of the things that God has been speaking to his heart, and uh, I know you will be too. And so um, I really just want to start with a little bit of a primer on lament and uh, what is biblical lament. And um, just as kind of an opening, uh, lament itself is really about mourning. It is about um, grief and sorrow and engaging in those things as it relates to um, 
the world around us and response to the things um, in this world that aren't what they should be. And I will say this, um, I, at heart, I am an encourager. And I think there have been times in my life where um, this sort of thing, conversation about um, something like grieving and deeply feeling the hurt and the pain in the world, it's not only uncomfortable, but it's um, uninvited. Meaning, it's not really something that I want to engage in. I want, I want to rush to something that I can grab hold of that it's like, um, that feels good. And um, what I've begun to realize is that even in what I would say is actually something that God has put in me to be an encourager, because I feel like that part of me isn't just from myself, but it's actually God-given. Um, what I've begun to realize, even in pursuit of that, that there are times where in pursuit of encouraging that you can actually do the opposite. And I think that um, um, it, it's, it's like what Romans said. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And the reality is if you try to uh, rejoice with someone who is weeping, um, that won't actually um, feel very good. You, you won't actually be helping them, and you certainly won't be encouraging them. And so I, I've begun to realize, um, as God has shed light on this, that um, sometimes encouragement doesn't look the way I think. And sometimes encouragement is uh, delayed because something else needs to happen something else needs to be tended to first and given attention to first. And I believe um, lament is one of those things. And I believe that even as we talk about pursuing justice, um, we need to be careful that we don't rush to um, trying to do justice without feeling the things that are needed to be felt to understand why we need it in the first place. Um, so with that in mind, I, I, I want to kind of, I'm borrowing from a lot of people who are more qualified um, in this matter than myself, and, and I just want to make that known. Um, I also want to say thank you to a couple of people who helped prepare and have been helping prepare this time, Michelle. Thank you, um, Maria Scott, who's not here. Thank you, Maria Scott, if you're listening to this at any point. Um, who else? Rebecca helped um, put some of this material together, and also John, who's going to be sharing tonight um, some of the things that he's been preparing. So um, thank you to this family for um, helping um, together pursue this. Um, the first um, thing I want to read here is, um, who's it from? <laughs> I don't know if I'm quoting myself or somebody else there. <laughs> oh yeah, this would be for me. It's not in quotes, so I'm like, I don't have a name like this. Um, <laughs> most of it's quoting other people, but um, I think when we think about what is biblical lament, um, simply put, it, it's, it's this idea of 
um, as God's people entering into um, pain and suffering, uh, acknowledging it, and letting ourselves feel the weightiness of Letting ourselves feel the weightiness of uh, the brokenness of the world. Letting ourselves feel the weightiness of injustice in the world. And that way, um, I believe to lament is to join our hearts to those that are already lamenting. To join our hearts to those who lament directly and indirectly injustice in this world. And I believe biblical lament is actually us joining our hearts to God's heart. Um, and as we do so, acknowledging and realizing that God himself grieves and mourns and laments. And as we do that, we um, are seeking the one who is not only... Um, feeling those things, but the one who is responsible and capable and able to bring change and transformation to the injustice and to the pain that we see and feel. Um, Dr. Eric Mason in his book, Woke Church, he said, ministry in the urban context, acts of justice and racial reconciliation require a deeper engagement with the other, an engagement that acknowledges suffering rather than glossing over it. And I think lament is a valuable piece in us being able to, in fact, do that. He goes on to say, lament is about entering into the experience of brokenness and being honest about it. Since the people of Israel looked back on the past and never forgot how they got in the predicament they were in. And they learned from it. Not only that, they could see the work of the Lord through it. They could view the brokenness of their past as spiritual formation for the present. If they had not revisited the brokenness of their past, they would have missed out on a key opportunity for spiritual formation. Since we have to have room in the church to be honest with where we are. We have to learn not to fix people real quick when they begin sharing their hearts and their hurts. If God can listen, so can we. When the realities of a fallen world hit us, we need room to worship the Lord in honest expressions of unedited grief. Entering the pain of others and pains we should all feel and bear together. This isn't a chapter, this is from a book, so anyway, he says, coming to terms with the fact that we have deep problems. I believe lament is meant to help us connect with that truth. Um, Sung Chan Ra, he says this, he says, Laments are prayers of petition arising out of need. But lament is not simply the presentation of a list of complaints, nor merely the expression of sadness over difficult circumstances. Lament in the Bible is a liturgical response to the reality of suffering and engages God in the context of pain and trouble. The hope of lament is that God would respond to human suffering that is wholeheartedly communicated through lament. Um, a couple last things. He says, lament recognizes the struggle of life and cries out for justice against existing injustice. And he says this as it relates to um, 
both expressions of our worship that are seen through celebration, but also expressions of our worship that are seen through the men. It says to only have a theology of celebration at the cost of the theology of suffering is incomplete. The intersection of the two threads provide the opportunity to engage in the fullness of the gospel message. Lament and praise must go hand in hand. Um, so, um, I want to invite John to come up, and he's going to um, just share a little bit more with us tonight. And um, you guys welcome John as Church, um, Dylan, thanks so much, man, for your for your testimony. And actually, I want to share. Um, so I have this blog that I write, uh, and the tagline for it is "Thoughts on God's Love and Hope uh, Through Conscious and Christian Hip Hop." And one of the things that I love about Jesus is how I can relate to Him too, because of the way that He entered into the suffering of of man, and. Um, so I wasn't planning on sharing this tonight, but I think I think it's appropriate. Um, all right. So, Officer Michael Slager fired eight rounds at Walter Scott while he ran away from him after a traffic stop on April 4, 2015, hitting him five times. Then he went over to his fallen body, planted a taser next to him, and radioed in a lie to dispatch. Only because of the cell phone video of a civilian did the truth come out. The smooth and oiled way in which Officer Slater's lie, lies in deceit came forth, and said, Scott not being the first man killed by a law enforcement officer, who then lied about it, about how it happened and how it was a justified killing, and got away with it by planning evidence. Citizens of St. Louis came out in protest and demonstration, venting their frustrations and their hurt at the brokenness of the system. I felt it too, here in Baltimore. I've been upset by these things before, but never to this extent. To have a law enforcement officer, someone who should be held to a higher standard, state his intention to kill some expletive, and then does it, gets away with it, gets acquitted. I've never cried over these things. Never been so mad I wanted to scream, hurt my neck and clench my jaw as tight as I could to try and contain my rage until this. This was happening, and my wife came home and saw me there in that state, and um, I just asked her to pray with me, or to pray for me, because I knew, and I worked hard to convince myself of what I knew, but could not fully grasp it at the moment, that God did care, does care, even though it doesn't look like it. So my wife prayed with me, and we cried together, and we prayed some more, and we got it together. And I really started tripping over the person of Jesus Christ because I know that he gets it. Jesus lived as part of an oppressed people. The Jews, his people, under Roman occupation, were frequent victims of legal police brutality, including crucifixion. As I prayed and cried over these things, I could just hear Jesus saying, I get it, I get it. And I know that there's a special place. I know that there's a a special relationship that Jesus has and will have with those who are victims of injustice and oppression because he gets it. He cares intimately because he lived through it. And as um, and I quote Bizzle, the Christian hip-hop artist, he says in the song Equal Opportunity, if you don't think that God cares about oppression, you're not studying this book right. So, 
I have two other pieces that um, I wanted to share that I wrote at the end of last year uh, that I just felt, I don't know, I felt called to write. Um, it's part of a series of poems. Uh, the, the name of the series is Laments in Midlothian. And I'm going to share these and then we'll get to some scripture. What does she think about him? She has not the heart to tell the world at first. The grief is still too near. But when asked about the nine-month-old child, she brightens with a smile, and she shares. What do they say about him? They must speak, though grief is near. The stories unfold and snippets they're told, the things that he held dear. They make sure to mention his work for the church. There are certainly words about that. Hands that held that little baby close, play organ keys too, let praisers to clap. Frames so impressive and hearts so protective that loved ones always felt safe. Be sure they say this is a tragedy, but that doesn't do justice. The question, will justice be done? A lament for Jamal Roberson to no longer hold his son. And this is part two of the same series. What doesn't she say about him? What doesn't she have the heart to say? Because the grief is still too near. There are mentions here and there of his work for the church. There are certainly words about that. Words about hands, hands that held his child, the same hands that played organ keys and praise. Hands that held down an assailant, alive. Hands that practiced restraint. Frames so impressive and hearts so protected that loved ones always felt safe. And yes, she says this is a tragedy, but that doesn't do justice. The question will justice be done. A lament, a lament for Jamal Robinson. Father stolen from his son. So Psalm... 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I go up to the heavens, you are there. I make my bed in the depths, you are there. This is 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in the book before one of them came to be. Saw me. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little bit lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths in the sea. Do you not know that you will judge angels? How much more do you think of this life? 
First Colossians 1, 16, 17. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, were visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Genesis 6. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. His heart was deeply troubled. His heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them all the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. Now the earth was corrupted in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Luke 12, 16. Are not five sparrows sold for two cents, yet not one of them is forgotten before God? In Jonah 4, 11. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left, as well as many animals? As well as many animals. Don't forget the animals. God is concerned about the animals. So, we've got some artists in the room, musicians, scientists. Um, consider that you created a beautiful piece of art, whether it be visual or Scientific, I don't know what it is, but yeah, scientific. Um, written, musical. Um, consider that you made that incredible piece of art, and it took you a long time to make it. Eight. You know it so intimately, and then it's destroyed. And you watch it being destroyed. Not an easy thing. I'm a, I'm a big uh, Marvel movie fan, and when I was young, I used to get all the comic books, and I also used to draw a little bit. They weren't that good, but I absolutely love and cherish those drawings. Um, and notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of drawings. When I moved out of my mom's house, uh, she had plans. She had things that she wanted to do with the space in my room where all these drawings were kept. And so she said, you got to do something about these drawings. you got to do something about these notebooks. So I go over there one day, and I'm like, all right, Mom. Gotta, I gotta do something with these. I guess I gotta get rid of them. So I prepared to put them in the recycle bin. And thankfully, we're in age of digital photography, so I just took pictures of all the pages. But as I put them in the recycle, it's still like, I'm like, man, because I spent so much time on this, and now it's gone. And it's kind of sad. So. I've often marveled at the strength of our God and the strength of his love. Our God is an awesome God and a vulnerable God. If I were all-powerful, I doubt I could feel love, because if I had the power to turn off the part of my heart that could grieve, I might do it. I would not be a God that would live with regret. If I were the God of Genesis, and I was feeling fed up with the world and its sin, or more specifically, mankind who had filled the world with evil, I would not be heavy hearted when condemnation fell, when bad guys got what they deserved, when the sky broke, when the rain came down. I would not be strong now. I cannot love hard enough to care anymore.
In him we live and move and have our beings. And all things are held together by him. So there is this atomic elasticity. There's a gravity in our very selves that I believe is supernaturally and divine in nature. The space and time between no oxygen or low oxygen in the blood and healthy O2 oxygen levels in the bloodstream, God is there intimately. When the firmament broke and the flood came, I believe that God wept bitterly from the deep. Because God had plans for man, they were grand. And God had hope in man. He had made man for his pleasure, and he had made him for a purpose, for partnership. To be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. But man had filled the earth with evil. And now God is asking himself in the word regret, but he still feels. His heart is deeply troubled. It's been said that the opposite of love is not hate, but apathy. So God can hate the sin, but he can never stop caring about the sinner. And I think that there's a disservice that's done to the flood story at times. Because it reads like God was mad, so he sent the flood. And then the bad people drowned, and he was glad about it. As if there was no space between where God was and where they were. In that space between, God was not. As if his omnipresence was turned off. As if the God that could have known the psalmist's thoughts before he had them was now blocking the channel. But I believe that the same God that made all of those drowning people together in their mother's wombs was just as close when they died as when they first lived. And when oxygen failed to supply the organs with life, God was there in the space between, crying. Because he had had a purpose for man. He had given them authority, and he had trusted them. And he never stopped loving them, the men. He had had dreams of them working together in the world. But his oxygen failed to circulate through the body, failed to feed the organs, and God was there in the space between and felt it all. He knew that the dream was dying, lament. The last words of Eric Garner, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. See, sometimes we do a disservice to the story. Sometimes we forget that before this man was born, God knit him together in his mother's womb. That God was the atomic elasticity, the cellular gravity keeping him alive. That when the oxygen failed to move through his body and feed his organs with life, that God cried. You see, God made man with a purpose, giving him authority, giving him power, giving him resources. And when the officers of the law took that authority and put a man into an illegal and ultimately fatal chokehold, God cried, lament, because God was also bearing the oxygen and the blood of the arms of those men killing him, crying. When injustice occurs, trust is eroded. When someone acts unjustly and gets away with it, the authority and respect of that person, the associated office, is tainted. A God that works with and through levels of authority and partnership hates and mourns when that is threatened because of unjust actions from trusted actors. This is what happened in the fall, and this is what happens whenever someone in authority acts unjustly. This is law enforcement, this is parents, this is family members, this is churches, this is governments. God is there in tears. It is a dangerous and wild thing to love like our God. And I cannot fathom it. Were I God, would I eliminate free will to insulate myself from regret and disappointment? Perhaps. Were I God, would I stand or snap out of existence anyone and anything that annoyed me, that failed me? Perhaps. Were I God, would I put myself in a position to be hurt, 
to let you hurt me? No. Would I sacrifice to myself to forgive your sins? No. Would I try again when someone failed me in relationship? No. Would I be all loving? No. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary in his heart. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. He did endure opposition. Our God is a God of justice because of the value he puts on creation and his intent to restore righteousness and right relationships. He is not finished. God trusted man to take care of man because man has value. God trusted man to take care of creation because creation has value. God is a God of righteousness and right standing in relationships between God and man and man and man. And when sin entered into the world and into our relationships, and humanity only knows evil, that righteousness is lost and God laments. When man abuses and misuses authority, uh, he, yeah, when man sinned, when man abused his authority in Genesis, he lost the authority in the world and over creation. After the flood, the relationship between man and creation changed. When injustice occurs, trust is eroded. Now, if God had not lamented over this loss, if he had not saw the value and, and mourned over what was lost and could still be restored, God may have just given up his plan for man, for us, abandoned the authority that he had given us, protected his heart from being hurt again. And God laments because he is connected to all of creation, but he also learned to lament in context when Jesus came and walked among us. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus Christ was born not in the suburbs and not to an upwardly mobile metropolitan family, but to a poor people. He lived in Nazareth, a Jew under Roman law. And he lived and ministered among those in poverty, physically and spiritually. He lamented because he paid attention, and he saw that the religious establishment was not representing God rightly, and that people were being mistreated and overlooked. He lamented, I believe, because some of the Pharisees and religious authorities were in fact using the name of the Lord in vain. They were presenting an image of God that was false, and the people believed them. He went into the table, he went into the, the temple, flipped over the table for a reason, because the value that should have been given in God's name was not there. And the value that should have been placed on the people was not there. Jesus entered into the lament of the broken and the lost and the deceived. He lamented by being present and not turning away. Philippians 2, 16. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. In Matthew 5, we have the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and it says, now, Jesus, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. 
His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I believe that this, this is not just a descriptive, but an invitation. That if you are not going through any of these things described above, then maybe you need to draw near to someone that is, and lament with them over injustice. Because this is what Jesus did. Because there was a value, a purpose, and a plan that God had given man, and it was lost, but Jesus went to restore it. And God lamented because it was such a valuable thing that had been violated. This is the work of justice, to make right that which has, that which has uh, been wrong. And in lament, we, pre we prepare with the proper heart, with the right eye to see the true value of the image of God in people and the value he's put on his creation. And um, to lament is to be godly. It is to see with the prophetic eye, with the lens that asks, what does God say about this? What does God feel about this? What did God intend for this? And can it be restored? Father God, um, let's thank you. Thank you. You don't have your hearts to come before you and say thank you. You know that your heart is heavy when our hearts are heavy. You know that you, for our grief, carried our sorrows, took on flesh, despised, rejected of men. We know that you were taken advantage of by unjust authorities. We know that you love God. And that you see us, God. And that you see everyone in the city that has been a victim of injustice. You see everyone in this state, in this nation, and in this world, God, that is crying out. You are close to them, God. And I pray that you would give us the spirit that it's like you to open our eyes, to not turn away, to not rush to comfort, but to be present. Let us see the value that you see in others. Let us see the hope that you still have for broken systems. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your passion. Fill us with righteous indignation when injustice occurs. Give us boldness.
We're going to take communion tonight, and as we um, come to receive, uh, we come to receive all that Jesus is, and we come with the prayer to say, Jesus, make this like you in our way, so we can come. <laughs> 